Welcome to Truly Fit. Welcome to the Truly Fit Podcast, where we interview experts in fitness and health to expand our wisdom and wealth. I am your host, Steve Washuda, co-founder of Truly Fit and author of Fitness Business 101. In each Thursday episode, it is me speaking about a topic that is related to a recent Monday episode. On Monday episodes, I interview people in the fitness and health realm. Mental health was the basis of the conversation with the creator of Cope Notes and multiple-time TEDx speaker Johnny Crowder. That will be released the Monday to follow this podcast. But today I decided to talk about where I believe the fitness and health landscape has their greatest battle with mental health, and that is with social media. If I sound different in this episode, it's because I decided to write this out and read it rather than speak off the cuff like I normally do. I remember signing up for Facebook my first year in college. At that juncture, it was current college students only who could use the platform. Like most technological advances, nobody could have imagined the exponential growth in social media that was to come. More unexpected was the wave of social illness that would sweep across the West. Now, every college-age kid, and likely middle school-age kid, has some sort of social media app on their phone. Imagine being involved in fitness and health and not having an online presence. It just doesn't happen and frankly would be bad for business. I'm literally heading up a company and application that helps fitness professionals build their business online. However, I see the effect that social media has in the portrayal of the ideal body types and how it's tearing at the fabric of children's mental health. I'm 37. I grew up playing video games, sometimes five hours a day. Say what you will about screen time, video games allow for the conquering of a goal, to win, to get to the end. They help in understanding teamwork, how to lose gracefully. They help in development of skills, however crude those skills may be. They allow, like fictional movies and books, creative energy to be harnessed. Those creative challenges were crucial in building my confidence in how I overcame puzzles. That's what life is, a bunch of difficult puzzles. And that's what video games are, highly detailed, beautiful graphic puzzles. But most importantly, video games allow one to both cross into another world and yet recognize when they are out of it. I never believed screen time was an issue for video games as long as you were also getting the equal amount of time outdoors. In a similar fashion, screen time isn't the issue with our current children and social media. Well, what is? The fictional characters I transformed into while playing video games stopped once I turned those video games off. I was now back to reality. The fictional characters you develop on social media sleep in your bed. It is fused with your reality. It's distorting who you are. We used to have two identities, the Steve at work and the Steve with his family and friends. Now there's a third. It's who you portray yourself to be on social media. Many times, it's who you want to be, who you expect to be, rather than who you really are. There is a reason I spend my time in long form and not short. I want people to get the most authentic version of me, and I don't believe you can do that through a social media post. Jonathan Haidt covered this in his book, The Coddling of the American Mind, and he talked about how social media has caused a wave of mental crisis across the West for our children. This topic is routinely talked about in all online outlets across all political spectrums. Stats cited on social media's connection to rising suicide and self-harm rates mostly in women, but also in men, along with the overall depression and anxiety are easy to find and disturbing to see. So why are we ignoring it? Why are more people joining these platforms than ever, more parents allowing their kids to join these platforms and more time being spent on them? For one, it's integrated into many people's business models, or at least their idea of what could be a business. If you can only grow their social media following to X amount, I'll have a successful business. Secondly, we all understand that we are algorithmically targeted to see what we have looked at the most. For teens, a large percentage of this is going to be what they admire, which can quickly turn into what they are jealous of. So much of health and fitness is about showing off and the expectation of this new tech social world acknowledging you for what you're showing off. For boys, The Rock, Hugh Jackman and Wolverine, Mark Wahlberg, Aquaman, do any of you really think that this is just hard work? That's what they want you to think. 
Steroids, testosterone specifically, not only gives you drastic physiological advantages, but your drive and your will to both work and exercise is also positively impacted. Joe Rogan admitted that he was not only on TRT, but has also spent years on HGH. Well, guess what? Most of Hollywood is also. When you see a picture of a guy over 30 with a six pack and 7% body fat, there's a 95% chance he is on some form of steroids or that that picture is in some way doctored or enhanced. For the other 5% who don't partake in that, well, they wake up each morning dedicating every second of their lives to thinking about what they just ate, what they should eat, when to work out, when to work out next, what to post, how they look, and they suffer greatly because of this. Their families suffer, their friendships suffer. It's a sickness. I've witnessed it. You are a prisoner to your looks, a characteristic that inevitably fades over time, a game you could not win. Yet the drive to do so is a part of every decision made each day. For girls, it's eating disorders, body dysmorphia, surgeries, digitally enhanced photos, and a host of other issues that lead into self-harm. Flipping through the never-ending pictorial and videography of how you could look better, be better, feel better, be more successful, it's inevitable that you'll find something or someone you wish you could be. Adolescence is a time period in one's life where comparison is part of growth. Finding mentors and friends who have qualities in which you decide to cultivate is normal. Yet the comparisons that are being mainlined into the mind of our youth are coming at a pace that's unfathomable and they are all fiction. The lives and pictures of the comparisons are not real, but we can't expect the growing minds of our young children to disentangle these two realities when social media does everything it can to unite them. I spent the last few years of my career, and will continue doing so, convincing people to exercise for health and wellness and let vanity be a secondary product. Of course it feels great to look good, and we have an evolutionary pull towards the aesthetics of other people, therefore proving the importance of our own looks. Working out, to look a particular way is simply the gateway into fitness and health, and I do not condemn it. However, constantly seeking others' approval is an issue. Ask yourself, are you posting this picture because you truly believe it may be motivating someone, or for that fact, motivating the majority of people who see it? Or are you posting it because you need affirmation? Because you need the high from those likes and comments. I've been asked why I don't flood my social media with lifting videos of me, pictures with my shirt off, my house, my beautiful wife. I don't need to. I don't need confirmation from the outside world that my life is great. And my life is great precisely because I don't need confirmation from the outside world. Those two are intimately entwined. Some may argue that social contagion of lifting for vanity, like the new craze of glute growth, is no different than the 90s bicep craze or the 80s chest craze. I don't disagree with that on a macro scale. Where the difference lies is that the entire world can now rate, rank, like, and dislike your growth goals. Not seeing social mannerisms and facial cues behind a statement means one has to translate tone and intent on their own, sometimes thousands of times a day. This is not a skill set that everyone can be armed with, so while many can handle it, others are being tortured. In those formative years of adolescence, we are growing what I would consider internal shells that shape and protect us as we learn through experience. It's important for those shells to be tested over time, and like the calluses that form on our hands from grabbing threaded barbells, develop accordingly to the types of pressure we put on them. But social media has overwhelmed this growth process in the sense it is short-circuited development by bombarding and overloading the system with negative psychological stimuli. Much like the calluses on our hands, those internal shells previously referenced are much better suited growing slowly and being crafted over time. Social media has bypassed those warm-up sets that give our children the best chance to develop strength, in this case, mental strength, slowly. Instead, they are forced to wrap their hands and lift a version of this metaphorical barbell that is too heavy and too coarse, leaving them injured and distraught. 
This will affect the rest of their lives and is already playing out in the mental health crises across the country. How their healing and scars will affect generations to come is anyone's guess. Strong men make easier times. Easier times make weak men. Weak men make hard times. And so the cycle repeats. Given the current state of affairs and the difficult times we're in, it appears the next generation has a chance to be stronger than ever. But I'm both cynical and saddened by the opportunity that awaits them. Thanks for joining us on the Truly Fit Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your listening platform. And feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from you. Social at trulyfit.app. Thanks again.